This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, December 14th, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited to be here for this hour with you. And uh, our goal will be to further your investment education in any way we possibly can. We bring topics to you and data that we feel are relevant for you to make better decisions with your money. But most of all, it's about your questions, your comments, because ultimately that is what's most important. What is on your mind? What are you challenged by? And our job is to help the challenge help you with the challenge of investing your money successfully, uh, which frankly is that. It's it's a challenge. It's not something that's easy. There are a lot of data points to consider and you have to weigh all of those data points and put weighting towards certain ones more than others. There's a lot of data thrown at you, social media and, and traditional media. And that can make it hard to figure out a direction. So that's why you always have to start big picture. So many people get caught up in the minutia of like, oh, I like this name or I like this company. Uh, that is typically a, a bad starting place. You want to start big picture and then drill down. Understanding the broad economy, certain asset classes, and then subsectors of those asset classes. And then you get down to the individual names. And so that's why a lot of times we're not talking about individual names, especially when, especially when it's not a call. We're talking bigger picture. And that starts to help inform those particular buy and sell decisions on specific names. So we're going to run down the show topics today as well as the market performance but right after we answer our first caller question now and it's going to be from sid in north carolina how you doing sid hi justin happy holidays doing well thank you for taking time to sure. take this call and wonderful job it's been awesome newsletter and i'm a big fan of this so just getting crazy it's your fault, not mine, though, <laughs> being such a wonderful. So thank you. Uh, yeah, I have a Google in my portfolio uh, for some time and, 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 and doing good. It's uh, at some 10, 15 percent profit as well. But do you think this is still a reasonable price? Because I picked up at uh, 90 and $100 when the price was. And now it is around 130 but looking at uh, all other numbers, do you think it is still a good entry point for a long term? Uh, I'll, I'll take your input. Thank you so much. No problem. Uh, I think the simple answer is no. Uh, obviously, it's ran with a lot of the large cap tech stocks uh, this year. And what's interesting is a day like today where the market was strong, it was down down 63 cents. It still is not up to its 2021 highs. Uh, technically, you had a big breakdown uh, candle 
in the week of October 23rd, and it's just been consolidating within that, and that is bearish. And then you look at the economic backdrop uh, slowing, and you have you have a business that is reliant on advertising. If the economy is slowing, ten, ten, advertising tends to slow. Then you have the antitrust lawsuits. You see that with the app store that they just lost that uh, the market hasn't really reacted to, but obviously it's something to consider. Uh, you, you also have uh, an FTC that is trying to crack down in multiple ways on the big cap tech names. So I think there are some headwinds there. And then AI. You know, they just came out with their AI announcement and the stock popped on that news, but it's been down pretty much every day since. That was on the 7th of this month and it popped and that day it closed at 136. Now we're down to 131 and change. So despite the market kind of breaking out, so it's breaking down in relative terms compared to the rest of the market. And it's starting to make a series of lower highs and lower lows. So I don't like the technical setup. I don't like the economic setup either. And so I would sell it and, and move on. I just don't see this as a great play at these prices uh, going into 2024. Okay. Thanks for the call. Now, over the next 40 minutes, we have a lot of ground to cover. We're going to focus on how to rebalance your investment portfolio before 2024. And the main reasons for rebalancing oftentimes is to control risk, not always necessarily to improve returns. There is that goal as well, but it's primarily for most people to control risk. So we're going to talk about risk management and your investment portfolio and the best practices for rebalancing your portfolio as well. In addition, we're going to touch on a few other topics. We're going to look at the path of development of nuclear in China, in China. And this sets up for much higher demand for uranium and the potential for a blueprint for the rest of the world on how to deploy in a large, a large scale nuclear power development and do it using fourth generation reactors, which are a lot safer and more efficient etc. So we're gonna look at that story. Also, are markets becoming less efficient? Well, a, a prominent hedge fund manager and professor is stating that and we're going to talk about that. And then lastly, American stores, they're shrinking, shrinking in total square footage, average square footage, excuse me. And we're going to look at the data there and what that says about the commercial real estate market as a whole. We also have some voice bank questions. One is on Canon Inc. as well as Deer. And I hope to get to a question submitted through our website. And let's talk about the market performance today right now. Now, yesterday we had the Fed announcement. We were so, <coughs> excuse me. We were supposed to do a show yesterday, but about five minutes before I did the show, I was about to start the show. Power went out. So I wasn't able to really comment on what happened in the markets today uh, so or yesterday. So uh, let's get to that. And it was a very interesting reaction in markets. It was pretty clear that going into this meeting, 
the Fed is going to announce a pause. Based on the economic data, both jobs front slowing as well as the inflation data continuing to make progress. And I was personally of the mind that, you know, might get a stall out, right? Buy the rumor, sell the news type of event. But what happened was the market was, or the the Fed was a bit more dovish than I think even the market expected. Kind of reiterating that, yeah, we probably are going to cut the cut rates at least three times next year, maybe more. Now, he did leave the, the room open for raising rates again next year, but pretty much said they feel as a committee their job so far is done. So now it's just kind of wait and see mode. And the market loved that. Obviously, the dollar was down. We know that a weak dollar is positive for liquidity, positive for risk assets. And then you also had interest rates fall as well. Now the 10-year after today, down over, down to under 4%. So we've dropped 100 basis points in two months. That is a drastic move in the bond market. So it's very clear that... The market loved that. And there's a lot of liquidity still out there. It's not driving inflation the way it used to be or used to. But if you get a Fed that's no longer on the neck of the market, the neck of asset prices, it gives room for those asset prices to go up. Now, I've said this for the better part of two months now, as we were kind of getting into the potential holiday season. I started talking about this mid to late October, saying, you know, we're just an earshot away from the holiday float season, meaning Santa Claus rally. And if the market's up into that time frame, you typically get a rally into your end. And that's what we're getting. This is option next week, and there's some gyrations there. There's a lot of notional value. Uh, I think record notional value on this option X. So that, uh, that helps Asset prices rise into that into that event, um, but I'm in the mind that we're probably going to get a relatively positive asset market until the next option X would be the fourth or sorry third Friday of January. So that was the market today. Well, a big news. The big actual news for today's market was large cap growth down 70 basis points, down small cap value up over three percent. Or nearly a 4% difference in that performance there. And you had some pretty decent losers. For example, AMD was down today. Uh, Pfizer was down 2% today. So a uh, very interesting market. Definitely a lot of shifting out of growth into value, out of large cap and into small cap as well. All right. We're heading into a break. But have you heard about our holiday giveaway contest? We're offering you a chance to receive a free autographed copy of Steve's book, Above Average Investing, for the average investor. It is a no-nonsense beginner's guide to the world of investing. So, to enter the contest, rules are simple. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as follow us on Instagram and like our Instagram holiday giveaway post and tag three friends. We'll choose one winner each day until the end of the year. Now, the phone lines are open waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. 
every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. And so are their questions. And I was just calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. To get your take on Chewy. Ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan. Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein. You know, I'm okay paying a fair price for a very good business. Steve Peasley. It's a very well run company. And now Luke Guerrero. Even to growth is significantly higher than its competitors. Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique, and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi, Steve. 24-7, rain or shine, Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy and discipline. And along the way, you're sure to have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk to Chris in Maine looking at Everest Group. Yeah, hey, Justin. Thanks for the call. And uh, once again, thanks for all you guys do. Uh, appreciate everything so much. But uh, yeah, anyways, I don't have any insurance exposure whatsoever. And I actually heard about this company through your podcast a while ago. Uh, and at the time, you had said roughly 370 seemed like a good spot to get into it if it went down there. Uh, and it's really been going down the last couple of days. And I, mostly I was curious if rate changes would affect insurance company and uh, that's what we're seeing or if it's really not down for any particular reason. This is uh, an actual good time to get into this company. Ding, ding, ding. You just hit it right on the head. We've been talking about for a while as rates have been going up of inside the financial sector, insurance was our, our favorite, not the banks, insurance companies. Why? If you understand how insurance companies make money is they take your premiums and they invest it. And they, that's pretty much most of their profits. It's not that they're keeping that premium. Most of that premium on average, you know, we take all of their customers, they tend to pay out as much as they bring in, but then they earn money as they wait to pay out those claims. And when rates go up, they earn more money because they're investing conservatively. They're not buying equities. Typically they're buying corporates. They're buying uh, debt on, uh, on uh, real estate debt, mortgage debt. They're buying treasuries, et cetera. And if rates across the uh, markets are going up, they tend to do better. And so what you've seen over the last few couple of days, all these insurance companies are having a tough time. We actually trimmed yesterday a couple of our insurance names and sell them outright. Um, so here's my thing. They've ran. They're all kind of rolling over, including Everest Group. So I don't have a problem with this name in general, but I think you're just starting, you know, I think a, a downtrend. Uh, now, I don't think it's going to be a major downtrend. I think it'll be a downtrend to buy because generally long-term rates are, are probably still headed higher. But this has room to fall at least into the 330 level. That's where I think about starting my position. Until it gets to 330, I would pass. Okay. But thanks for the call. 
This is the best talk. If you're listening via our live stream or on AM 1220 radio in the Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Let's go talk to Gene in North Carolina who wants to talk about nuclear power. Yes, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. I had two questions that are unrelated to each other that are quick questions about nuclear power and, and you can save the, your reply maybe when you uh to when you going to talk, talk about nuclear power later on uh in in the program one of them deals with something that happened recently within the last week there was some kind of milestone that I think was hit by in Japan about dealing with fusion power not fission power I don't know if you heard anything about that yeah, that um, was but, that was like six months ago. I want to say. I, I'm sorry. I just heard about the news within the last weeks, so and maybe oh, the news it. was okay. that old. But you can comment about that later. The other one deals actually with France and how France uses nuclear power to generate electricity. I I've always heard that they use a great a great percentage of their electricity is generated by nuclear power, and their approach is different from the U.S in the sense that their nuclear power reactors, they're, very, they're much smaller than the ones that are in the U.S. They're much more like each other, more modular, where there's, mm-hmm. a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a standard where uh, uh, it's not a one-off built at the site where, where in the U.S. where each reactor is kind of custom to the site and only a particular handful of people kind of know what's going on. And also that in France they recycle somehow they recycle, or re, I believe that's the right word that they spent nuclear power mm-hmm. rods that they yep. don't have the problem of store having to store it underground as nuclear waste. If you mm-hmm. know anything about that or correct what I'm saying, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I'm not super familiar with the the way that. France has uh, evolved over the years. I know that they, in the 90s, they were huge developers of nuclear power. And at one point, 70, 80% of their power was coming from uh, nuclear. And uh, I know that that's slowed to a degree, but they're still uh, dominated by such. Uh, I know, I also know that there are ways to recycle spent fuel. uh, And I'm not, personally, I'm not sure about what, uh, what France does. Uh, but you know w- the main I think issue with the industry as a whole is kind of the the fear mongering around the the risks. There obviously are risks, but you know they're they're, they're more overblown than uh, the climate or not climate activists. The, the environmental activists would like you to say, even though you know the fact that we've shied away from them certainly has contributed to global warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it. So it's certainly a trend, um, which I'll get to some data. China is on the forefront of actual production of these facilities. Uh, and uh, I'll get to that story here in a little bit, like I said. But um, thanks for the call. You're, you're right. Uh, 
out of all the European countries, France is the one that has deployed these this technology most effectively over the years. All right, let's go to John and Milipedis wants to talk about love. Yes, good afternoon, Jason. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I would like to ask you about the Southwest. Uh, it seems like uh, oil getting down right now is a good time to get in, or should I wait? Please listen on the show. Thank you. Sure. Uh, I, I still am not a huge fan of the airlines, even though Southwest, if you're looking at the airlines, Southwest has historically been the best performer. Pre-pandemic, they were doing very well, earning $4.27 back in 2019. Then obviously 2020, 2021, lost money. COVID, nothing, nobody's traveling. Got back to profit 2022. This year, it's supposed to make $1.42, $1.57 next year. It has rallied as of late. One, because small caps have gone and mid caps have done better. That's what it is the mid cap. And number two, oil's been down. So obviously their their biggest variable cost is going to be the price of jet fuel. But I just have a thing about airlines. I don't love them. Pun intended, right? L-U-V, that's the symbol. I don't love them. And Southwest peaked in 2017, $65 per share. Now it's down to 29 and change. And it's just not a great place to invest. Most people don't care what airline they take. They just want to get there safely. And now the way that airline safety has evolved, it's very, 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 very rare to have any deaths in the commercial aviation world. So it's not like, oh, this airline's safer than that airline. Not really. They're all pretty much the same. And then it becomes a commodity. Now, can you buy love as a trade, right? Southwest Airlines is a trade. Sure, maybe, but this is not a place for long-term investing, frankly. So I'm passing. All right, on the, I'm on the, oh, sorry, on the next Invest Talk, we'll look into this story. Inflation impact on oil demand is raising investor concerns. While U.S. stocks shrugged off the latest inflation data, the oil market saw cause for concern. We're going to look into that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive 
at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Invest Talk. For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Stephen Justin is so valuable. The Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call 888 99Chart. Now, my main focus point is set up by this story how to rebalance your investment portfolio before 2024. Now, most people think that every action you take with a portfolio, it's about how to improve your returns. And How professionals think about it is risk versus reward. So when you rebalance, that's typically what it is. Because when, for example, an asset class, is, class moves up, has a good year, that lowers the expected return going forward. Let me repeat that. If the asset class does very, very well in any particular year, that actually lowers its expected return over time and vice versa. If there's a bad year, the expected return going forward has improved because over an extended period of time, every asset class has a general base expected rate of return. And so when you're rebalancing, it's figuring out trimming the places that now have a lower expected return, but the same amount of risk because asset classes generally have similar type of risk over time. And it's allocating typically to those places that are better risk versus reward and fit your timeline better. And as you get older, it's even more important to think about these things, rebalancing the control risk, leading up to retirement and then actually in retirement. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're younger that you don't have value. There isn't value in rebalancing. There still is. It's just more from a strategic perspective. Now, the first thing you want to consider is your time horizon and your specific goals. Now, when you're younger, that time horizon and those specific goals don't typically change much. But as you approach retirement or in retirement, that can shift. And then it's about your asset allocation, whether you want to make any changes. Typically, it's about if something's changed in your life. Maybe you're approaching retirement, but now you know exactly when you're going to retire. And you have a little more defined Timeline. And so you have to assess your overall mix of stocks, bonds, cash. And then you want to look at sub-asset classes. So, for example, U.S. stocks and bonds versus international stocks and bonds. Value versus growth on the equity side or large cap versus mid cap and small cap. The recent, up until the last month, shall we say, 
the recent trend has been large caps over small caps. And most people would continue with that large cap over small cap allocation. Six weeks ago, small caps were negative on the year and large caps were up, you know, if you use those mag seven, you know, high teens. And ever since there's been a clear pricing in of a Fed pause, that shifted and that gap has closed dramatically. So you would have been smart six weeks ago to trim your large cap exposure and increase your small and mid cap exposure. But very few people are going to do that. And that's why it's important as you approach year end to not just chase that return, but look at your overall asset allocation goals. Everyone should have that. How much am I going to have? Should I have in equities? How much should I have in bonds? How much should I have in short-term bonds versus long-term bonds? Carpets versus treasuries or municipals. And then on the equity side, large cap, mid cap, small cap, growth first value. And then over time, every six, 12 months, rebalance strategically to that target allocation. This is how professionals do it. And then it's about how, what accounts do you trim from? Obviously, tax deferred accounts are typically the best because you can, when things are up, you have gains, you don't want to pay taxes on that. But in a, in a tax deferred account like a Roth IRA, traditional IRA, 401k, Roth 401k, you don't have to worry about that. Doesn't mean you don't do any rebalancing in a taxable account, but you want to start with those tax deferred accounts. And then you want to look at what makes sense longer term. It's time horizons for each, say, bucket. For example, if you have emergency fund, you have cash you're going to use in the next 12, 18 months, having that in high-yield money market account, short-term treasuries, et cetera, that's fine. But longer term, cash is trash. Now, yields do look attractive today. But they've looked attractive in the past as well compared to earnings yield, et cetera. But over any length of time, three years, five years, 10 years, the vast majority of the time, cash falls behind investing in equities, intermediate or long-term bonds. So don't get caught up in, oh, 5% sounds amazing, but you have reinvestment risk when you're buying money market accounts and you have money in your high yield savings account. The Fed just said they're probably going to cut rates next year. Guess what? That 5% by the end of next year is probably going to be four, maybe less. And then once again, on the equity side, don't get don't fall too in love with this rally in the in the mag seven in the nasdaq that's starting to reverse just like you saw today and you're starting to see an environment like last year where small caps did better than large caps value did better than growth so this is the time that you want to think about that maybe you wait until january and that's fine for tax purposes that's fine but you have to use this year end to start to rebalance your portfolio towards a target allocation. If you don't have a target allocation, you need to either talk to a professional like myself, or you need to sit down and create one.
Now, from time to time, we see Talk questions via our website. Tyson says, I'd love to hear Justin C's opinion on the ticker symbol R-E-A-X, R-E-A-X. This company is a real estate brokerage operating in the United States and Canada. It is very similar to eXpi, but seems to have a bit of an edge with a slightly improved business model. It's a smaller brokerage compared to eXpi, but is now the world's fastest growing publicly traded real estate brokerage. REAX, this is a $258 billion market cap. So certainly right in that small cap realm. Let me take a look here. It looks like it's losing money, but let me look at its cash flow. Uh, cash flow is positive, $21 million. That's pretty solid, especially compared to its market cap of $251. That's a, about a 10% free cash flow yield, so I like that. It has net Cash on its balance sheet, that's a positive. It is, it hasn't been issuing shares, so I I like that. Let's see. The chart. Um, you know, it's pretty illiquid. Trading for a dollar forty-eight. Definitely would be considered a penny stock. And that's my biggest issue. It's, it's a penny stock. I like that management owns 25%. The technicals are okay. I don't mind it for a small position because I want something that's a bit more profitable. Uh, I'd have to dig into this and see how it compares to an EXPI or other uh, of these online real estate brokerage companies. There are a handful of them out there. And I do think this is the future of real estate sales. And also you have to consider that lawsuit that's really cracking down on the collusion around the, uh, the Department of Realtors. Realtors Association, excuse me, and the lawsuits there, that could certainly shift the landscape of commissions, how they're paid. It's definitely going to change how they're paid, how much they're paid. And it's it's still up in the air if it will change how much realtors are paid, but it'll probably change the way the structure of where payments are coming from. So I think there are some headwinds there and it's a small, very, very small name, penny stock. So I would keep your exposure limited. Now let's swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888 chart. Good day, Invest Talk team. This is Jim from down in Miami, Florida. Today I'm calling about the EUV lithography industry. Last year, I put on my big boy pants and bought a few shares of ASML when it was down at about $400 a share. And I recently did a small trim at $700 a share, and I'd like to reinvest back into the industry. The only almost competitors that I see are Canon, C-A-J-P-Y, and Nikon, N-I-N-O-Y. I'm going to be investing some of this money into these two companies. And if you guys could just give me some insight and any of your knowledge into these companies and what kind of split should I do, a 50-50 or favor one or the other. Uh, they're foreign companies, so it's hard to get a lot of information about it. So anything you could share would be really appreciated. Thank you very much. Have a great one. All right, looking at Nikon and Canon, and these are two Japanese names. Obviously, uh, both are big in the photography world, kind of a almost a duopoly in, in uh, the high-end cameras. But they both have very different product mix mixes. Uh, they Nikon does have semiconductor lith, lith, lithography systems that they produce. They also have systems that build LCD and OLED panels. 
So they're big in that. And then if you look at Canon, they have printers. That's uh, their kind of other side of their business. And, you know, Canon certainly has a better track record over the past 10 years or so, but it's not like it's a stark difference, to, to be frank. Uh, I don't have a lot of insight, frankly. I don't think that they are great businesses. Both have negative free cash flow. Return on equity is pretty poor for both. For Nikon, it's about 5%. And let me look at Canon. Just going to bring that up here. Yeah, 8.5%. Both are very low. Uh, Canon's actually, sorry, Canon does have positive free cash flow, 942 million trailing 12 months, but that is at a multi-year low. So, frankly, I, if, if you're trying to bet on semiconductor lithography and the sale of equipment to build semiconductors, then I think you just stay with ASML. I wouldn't go and take your money and put it in these these two businesses that also have other businesses that dominate their revenue. And that small slice of their business that is maybe similar to ASML is going to, unless they spin it off, you're getting kind of a diluted picture here. So I would rather own keep owning, owning the pure play. And the charts don't look great. The valuations are on the cheaper side. But that's because they have inferior businesses to like an ASML. So frankly, I just don't love either. All right. The fourth quarter is rapidly drawing to a close. Christmas is here in just 11 days. Hopefully everyone has their Christmas shopping done. I know I don't. I know I don't. Hopefully you do though. And the big question for investors is, do you have your Christmas shopping list ready for the next bout of market volatility? Because there always will be one. Do you have a asset allocation model that fits these times of inflation and higher interest rates? A fiscal dominance where government's spending in multiple forms? Well, if you don't, or you just want a second opinion, I encourage you to reach out to myself at our company, KAPP Financial, where we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. And we invest right alongside our clients called Parallel Investing. And we offer a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go-to meeting. Just send us a message through investstock.com. Click on the portfolio review button in the top right-hand side of the screen. We're going to a break, and the phone lines are open waiting for you at 888-99-CHART. Each 
day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hello, Stephen Justin. This is Paolo from Davisburg, Maryland. Hope you guys are doing well. I have a question on um, the market today. It outperformed everything kind of like outperformed and I have like some stock that are doing very good since the past months, especially innovative industrial properties. I'm at my break even point now and I wanted to ask you guys what you think like is it time for investors to take some profits, take some money off the table or just better keep running but it was kind of like too much for my taste looking forward to hear the answer on the podcast and uh, i wish you all merry merry christmas and uh thank you bye bye well the first thing you want to do is not think about your break-even price too many people look at that it's kind of an average investor's way of thinking professionals you know we look at broad asset allocation. And right now, what you're starting to see is a shift in the market. Value starting to outperform growth, small cap starting to outperform large cap. And we've just started that recent trend over the past, call it six weeks. And typically those trends last for months. So that's probably the way I would more think about it. Now, IAPR, it's a small cap REIT. So should you take profits if you want to add more to small, if you want to you'll be allocating more to small cap? Probably not. And just because you're even doesn't mean that's when you sell it, right? So if you're talking about taking profits, yeah, maybe you should over the next couple of weeks, take some profits. Maybe you want to wait till the new year for tax purposes, if it's a taxable account, but on those growthier names that have had a good year, but maybe taking a look at them related to the broader market or small caps over the past month, they haven't done quite as well. Because you're seeing that a lot. A lot of those large caps are still up over the past month. And you might think, that's oh, fine. But now they're, the, the small caps are up double digits over the past month. So in reality, it's lagging now and there's other places to, to reallocate. So that's the way I would think about it. Not necessarily, oh, I'm breaking even or anything like that. It's setting that asset allocation target and continuously moving your portfolio towards that target goal. Now let's talk a little bit about nuclear in China and they are launching just recently as of last Wednesday, they put in place two new reactors in its eastern province of Shandong. And the new plants use fourth generation reactors, which are considered to be safer and more fuel efficient. And there's six types of fourth generation reactors that have been approved by the International Consortium of Nuclear Countries. Now, Western countries aren't expected to be to start bringing their new fourth generation nuclear plants on until at least early 2030. So you're talking six plus years from now. 
Now, what a lot of them are doing is turning on old ones. On Saturday, we here in the U.S. and more than 20 other countries announced they plan to triple nuclear power by 2050. Europe launched its largest nuclear reactor this year. Japan, Japan is bringing on back on power stations. By the way, the one in, uh, in Europe was in Finland. Now, China paused the construction of these nuclear plants after Fukushima, but then doubled down soon after. Now, it was originally rooted in energy security. China imports the vast majority of its energy production, especially if you strip out coal, which it's trying to wean itself off of because of net zero emission targets by 2060 and just the fact that it doesn't want to pollute its citizens anymore. And China is now building 22 of the 58 reactors under construction around the world. And they're looking to help Saudi Arabia, for example, build their first civil nuclear reactor. And so China is definitely ahead of the game here. I think the Western countries are starting to think about catching up. But I think there's still a long runway before everyone jumps on board and realizes, you know, this whole wind and solar thing, it can help on the, on the margins. But core weaning off fossil fuels is going to have to be done by developing nuclear power around the world using these new fourth generation reactors. All right, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.